you pray with me? Uh, Father God, thank you for the reminder this morning that you uh, bring you so much for uh, the opportunity that we have to gather and to remember that, that you are better than life, that there's nothing uh, better than you in all of the world. And so we come together as a people and we shout your praise. Lord, we, we lift our voices. We give you uh, all that we are and all that we have. It all belongs to you. Uh, Lord, thank you so much for the reminder this morning that, that Jill gave to us about the invitation that you've given to us to look up. Um, that's what we want to do now, Lord. We want to come together as a people, and we just want to look to you. And I believe when we look to you, we find a personal a God who uh, invites his children to come. Lord, you know everything about us, and you still love us. You meet us in our need when we are uh, desperate and dependent, and we're always desperate and dependent. Uh, we can come to you, and you provide uh, you extend to us grace and mercy every day, and so uh, we, uh, we accept it this morning. Uh, church family, I want to invite you, if you would, just in this moment, would you pray and ask God's Spirit uh, to work in your heart uh, as we open up His Word. And if you would be so kind, would you pray uh, for me that my words this morning would be helpful for you uh, in your walk with the Lord? Father God, we commit our moments to you this morning. We thank you for your living and active word and pray that you would use it to form and shape and change us today. God, we love you and we pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. Let me have a seat. Just a couple of quick reminders, church family. We exist as a church to point people to Jesus. Uh, one of the primary ways that we do that is by experiencing authentic community. Uh, community isn't something uh, that just happens. It takes time. It takes intentionality. It oftentimes takes effort. Uh, and so particularly with that being said, men, I want to encourage you, if you are not currently uh, plugged into one of our groups here at Christ Point, our men meet Wednesday morning at Maple Street Biscuit Company, 6 a.m. Uh, each week. Uh, every week we have a men's group that meets on Thursdays at the church house just over my uh, right shoulder. And then you heard this morning about the event coming up this Saturday at Buffalo Wild Wings, just an opportunity for dudes to kind of connect and get together, eat some wings, watch some college football games. Uh, as a University of Michigan fan, I have no idea why the picture up there was of Georgia and Florida. I think that was an oversight. I don't know who I need to talk to about that. Uh, but I want to encourage Andy's in the back gloating because his Bulldogs won the championship last year. Whatever. Pipe down. Um, we <laughs> men, I want to encourage you to come. I know it's going to be uh, a great time. I also want to let you know, I want to give you a quick update. Uh, as you know, for the last few weeks, actually the last couple months, we've been sharing with you about uh, the, the land and our desire that we have as a church family to build a permanent facility for Christ Point. Uh, we need $398,000 as a down payment in order to be able to move dirt. Uh, once the, that money comes in, we'll be able to get to work. We have financing through two financial institutions. 
uh, we're, we're uh, asking for that this month and certainly in the, in the months ahead as it becomes available. But I want to just give you a quick update this morning so far. Uh, as of this last week, $130,000 has come in. And so we're praising God for that. Uh, uh, we're, we're excited to see what, what God does in bridging that gap. We're so grateful for what uh, he has already done. God has been uh, so gracious and kind to us. And I give thanks to God for you and for your generosity. And uh, I'm super excited to see what God does in the days ahead. So we are excited. Uh, well, how many people here have ever walked away from a conversation and thought to yourself, boy, uh, my emotions got the best of me. Why don't you stand up this morning and share? No, I'm just joking. Right? You, have you been there before? Let me ask you a question. What would it look like this morning if you would get the best of your emotions? What would it look like if you would get the best of your emotions? This morning, we continue our a short series on the book of Proverbs by addressing the danger of unfettered emotions in our most important relationship. Specifically this morning, I want us to think together about responding to anger in a healthy and a helpful way, a way that restores relationships and exalts Christ. Uh, and so uh, I'm excited to see what God has for us this morning. I do want to point out when I talk about uh, responding or, uh, or having emotions that are controllable in our hearts and in our lives, responding to people and experiences in a good and godly way, I am not suggesting that we don't have emotions. Um, we have emotions because we are created in the image of God, and God is an emotive God. God is not non-emotive, right? When you read the pages of Scripture, you read about times uh, when God moved and acted in ways where you go, okay, <laughs> like he's clearly emotive. Jesus got angry. Jesus experienced joy. Jesus laughed and Jesus wept. Um, God is a God of emotion and he has made us to be as well. But sometimes, as perhaps you have experienced, that emotion uh, gets the best of us. And that emotion is not always good, and sometimes that emotion affects and impacts those closest to us, particularly when it comes to anger. Uh, when was the last time you were angry? Can you think of a time? What were you angry about? How did you respond to that anger? Last week, my family was able to get away for a couple days. We headed to the beach. The kids had a little vacation from school, and so we piled into the car and uh, drove to the beach. And we woke up one morning and said, you know what we should do? Uh, we should go to a French bakery. I mean, why not? The only thing better than experiencing a sunrise, being on the beach, is experiencing the sunrise and being on the beach with a chocolate croissant. <laughs> so we're like, we're in. Uh, there was this little bakery that Melissa had heard about, and so we all piled into the car and, and drove there. And when we walked in, uh, we noticed that there was a rather large line. Whenever you go to a restaurant, a coffee shop, a bakery, and you walk in and there is a relatively large line, uh, one of two things could be happening. 
There might be other people in town who know that said bakery is spectacular, and they want to get some of their goodies too. Or they have terrible service, and they're incredibly slow, and you should just turn around and go home. Um, <laughs> it was option two for us, right? We, wa we walk in, there's a, a long line, we're standing in line. You can see people gradually get more upset around you. Like you just feel it in the room, you're going, this is not going to end well. Uh, there was a young man behind the counter, bless his heart, he reminded me a little bit of the movie Zootopia, where the animals walk in and there are sloths behind the counter at the DMV. I'm going, I'm going, oh no, oh no. And we're watching this guy as he sort of takes his time and slowly moves about and uh, helping the customers. And finally, after what seemed like a day and a half, uh, a fellow employee walked up to him and said, do you need some help? And I thought, oh, praise the Lord. <laughs> Finally, we have some additional help. And he goes, no, I got it. And like everyone in, in the bakery is like, no, you don't. No, you don't. You don't got it. Like you need help. But he turned the help away. Uh, finally, after we got our little pastries, we walk outside and we sit down on a bench. And we're sitting there for like 30 seconds. And there's this couple that walks by. And this guy is fuming. Like I, I could like see steam coming off his forehead and out his ears. And he goes, that is the worst experience I've ever had in my life. And I just kind of laughed um, because everybody experienced it too. When is the last time that you have been angry? What were you angry about? And how did you uh, respond? Again, this morning, I want to encourage us to respond to anger in a helpful and a healthy way, a way uh, that causes relationships to flourish in a way that exalts Christ. And I want to do that by uh, looking in the book of Proverbs at the danger of anger, the root of anger, and then our response to anger. I want us to, to look at the danger of anger, uh, the root of anger, where does it come from, and then talk about our response uh, to anger. Last week, we kicked off a series from the book of Proverbs. If you're familiar with Proverbs, you know that Proverbs uh, has general rules for how to make life work in God's world. Um, they are they're general rules. Um, they're principles for living. Proverbs is basically uh, causing the reader to go, hey, if I live this sort of way, uh, then more often than not, uh, life will, will work. Now, I say that, and maybe you hear that, and you go, oh, wait, wait just a minute. Um, I know that there are exceptions to that, James. We live in a fallen and a broken world, and it doesn't always work the way that we want it to. And you're absolutely right, but Proverbs is laying out general principles. Um, it, it's not talking about the exceptions. There are exceptions. Job talks about the exceptions. Ecclesiastes talks about the exceptions. But Proverbs has just given us a general wisdom for life, principles worth following. Um, we experience this to a lesser degree in life. We have our own sayings, our own Proverbs as a people. We say things um, like, an apple a day keeps the doctor away. You ever hear that when you were growing up? The thought behind that is if you eat healthy, Eat healthy foods. Generally speaking, you'll be healthy. I talked to a friend not long ago who told me he was diagnosed with a heart condition. And he goes, James, he goes, I couldn't believe it. 
I exercise all the time, and I eat a plant-based diet. And there's part of me that's going, well, yeah, I get it. You know, you, you, you think you, you do the things that you're supposed to do, and life is supposed to go a certain way, and it doesn't always happen that way. And yet, Proverbs is calling us and encouraging us to live a particular way in God's world, um, knowing that we're on a path, if we stay on a good and healthy path, um, things may go well for us. Uh, so with that little introduction, I want us to think together about the danger of anger, the danger of anger. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 29, if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. You can follow along on the screen as well, or if you have your version app, go to events, look for Christ Point Church, and you can follow along the outline that's located there. Uh, Proverbs 14, 29, whoever is slow to anger has great understanding, but he who has a hasty temper exalts folly. Proverbs 15, 18, a hot-tempered man stirs up strife, but he who is slow to anger quiets contention. Proverbs 29, 22, a man of wrath stirs up strife, and one given to anger causes much transgression. If you want to know about the danger of anger, look no further than these verses. The author of Proverbs talks about the fact that anger exalts folly, it stirs up strife, and it causes much transgression or sins. Another way to put it is that anger celebrates foolishness, it creates drama, and it causes sin. Anger celebrates foolishness, it creates drama, and it causes sin. There are two Greek words in the New Testament that are used for anger. One means passion or energy, and the other means agitated or boiling. Biblically, anger is God-given energy intended to help us solve problems that we face or respond maybe to danger. But what happens is instead of responding in good and God-honoring ways, our anger oftentimes is directed at others. We put someone else who we're frustrated with or angry with in the crosshairs of our emotion. You ever been there before? Uh, one author said that anger is wrong when it ignites too fast, when it lasts too long, when it harbors too much and goes too far. Anger is wrong when it ignites too fast, lasts too long, harbors too much, and goes too far. I love that. Clearly, there are times in Scripture where we can experience anger that is actually good or God-glorifying when we're angered towards sin or against unrighteousness. But what we're talking about this morning is sinful anger. And, and this pastor um, defines anger that is sinful as anger that ignites too fast. It it accelerates from zero to 60 faster than a Ferrari on the straightaway. Right? You, you feel it almost immediately. Right? It, scripture calls us uh, to have love that is not irritable, to be slow to anger. Uh, but, but anger that is sinful ignites too fast. If you uh, know someone given to anger, then you know what it's like, or perhaps you know what it's like to feel like you're walking on eggshells around someone. Because you don't want to say or do anything that would cause them to become angry. 
It's almost as if you live in fear. You're cautious because you don't know how they're going to respond. Sinful anger ignites too fast. It lasts uh, too long. Uh, Anger that is like an out-of-town guest that is supposed to stay for the weekend, but they show up in a U-Haul. And you go, wait wait a second. (laughs) What are your plans? I thought I had you for Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And you're bringing your couch over. Sinful anger is anger that lasts too long. It's the anger of maybe the Hatfields and the McCoys who have been fighting uh, for decades and nobody really knows why. You ever reach a point in life when, when you experience anger towards someone else or someone else experience anger toward you and so much time has passed that you don't even know why? There was a time where maybe you could put your finger on it, you could explain it away, there was a conversation, something took place, someone was hurt, something was said, but, but boy, with the months, with the years, you're going, man, I'm, I'm mad, <laughs> but I'm not even sure if I remember why. A sinful anger is anger that lasts too long. It ignites too fast, it lasts too long, and it harbors Uh, too much. It harbors too much. That is, uh, the sin of undue or improper anger occurs when a person harbors ill will or desire for revenge toward another person. If you find yourself up in the middle of the night having conversations with people and they're not there, there's a good indication that, that that is sinful anger, that that has, has been planted in your heart. You ever do that before? You ever find yourself having conversations, dialogue with another person? You're having a disagreement, you're having an argument, and you, you kind of put on or turn on your inner lawyer. You know what to say and when to say it. You know how you're going to respond and how you're going to respond to how they respond, and you've got it all figured out. There's a scene in uh, the movie Home Alone. I thought about this this morning, honestly, as I was driving here because I, I drove down Eastfield and I noticed someone had their Christmas lights up. No, no, Phil Rowe, no. It's not okay, okay? Put your tree up. I get it at the end of the month. It's not okay. It's not okay. So I thought, I thought it's, more, it's, it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas in the middle of October. And I thought of this scene from, from Home Alone. Remember the scene where the old man goes into the church Colin Culkin is, you know, is the, the kid that's running around, Kevin, and um, he's sitting there in the church listening to this choir sing, and his neighbor, who he's deathly afraid of, comes in, and his neighbor strikes up a conversa- conversation with him. And at first, he's spooked, he's scared, and the, the neighbor starts telling uh, Kevin why, why he's there. And he said, I'm, I'm here because my granddaughter is singing. She's the redhead over there in the choir. And, uh, and Macaulay Culkin goes, oh, you know. And uh, he goes, I, I, she's singing again tonight, but I can't come. And he goes, you, you can't come? Like, you can't come to church? And he goes, no. He goes, I, I can't come because my son's going to be here. And, uh, you know, a num- number of years ago, my son and I, we got in an argument. And I got angry. And I told him I never wanted to see him again. And he told me, well, I never want to see you again. And all these years had passed, and they just were sort of living like this. 
like, like the anger from, from years ago when an ill-spoken word off the cuff or a word spoken in anger, it, it was just like a seed planted in his heart. And he's going, gosh, man, how, how did we get here? You ever find yourself asking that question before? Like there's a, there's a relationship, a, like a marriage, a relationship with kids or a friendship where you're just reflecting and you're going, well, how, did, like how did we end up here? A sinful anger ignites too fast, it lasts too long, it harbors uh, too much, and it, and it goes too far. A sinful anger goes too far. It's like killing a fruit fly with a shotgun. You know, it's the, the punishment doesn't fit the crime. It's just not uh, necessary. It's just not necessary. So, so where does anger come from? Like what's the root of anger? If, if you were here for our James series, we spent a little bit of time talking about this, but uh, we learned that root, uh, the root cause of anger in our hearts is really unmet desires. Like there's this desire that we have in our hearts for something that we don't get. Uh, James uh, writes, let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. And then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin, and when sin it is fully grown, uh, brings forth death. James further develops this in James uh, chapter 4, and he talks about how we're angry and how we kill because there's something we want that we don't get. Um, you ever play the game Keep Away before? You ever play that game? You ever play that game when you weren't asked to play the game? I thought about this. I think this was basically all my middle school years. But, you know, people take something from you and then they start tossing it around. You know, they, they take your, your book or your phone or your, your wallet, your keys or whatever, and they're like, you know, they start tossing it and you're like, come on. Like, give, come on, give it, give it back. And they're like, hoo, 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 hoo. And they toss it to their buddy, and then you turn around and you chase after your buddy. You're like, no, seriously, give it back. Like, I need it. Give it back. I need it. Give it back. Give it back. Give it back. And they're like, ooh, and they toss it to the next person. And you're like, no, I'm serious. I'm serious. Give it back. And like, you can just feel like, this isn't fun anymore. This isn't fun anymore. Like, I don't want to play this game. Like, th th those are desires that we have with, uh, within us to, to get something, to have something that we don't have and we're mad about it. It's the three-year-old in aisle five of the grocery store that wants a box of cookies, and they don't get said box of cookies, and things go sideways. They, they, there's something they want that they don't get, and so they're angry. And the same is true with us. As we get older, we, we try to learn how to navigate our emotions and not kick and scream, but the reality is, is that feeling doesn't go away. We're angry when we want something that we don't get. Maybe it's a thing. Maybe, you know, it's an object. Maybe it's a, a certain lifestyle. Maybe it's a, a way of, of living, you know, stress-free. Maybe it's respect. Maybe it's love. Uh, may, maybe it's recognition or, or value. There's something that we want, and we don't get it, and we're mad about it. The anger, or anger, the root of it, comes from our unmet desires. And so we thought a, a little about the danger of anger. The danger of anger is that it celebrates foolishness, it creates drama, it causes sin. We talked about the root of anger, our unmet uh, desires in life. Let's talk about what does it look like to respond to anger. How do we respond to anger? Our anger and the anger of others. And I think the best place to go 
uh, to know how to respond to anger is none other than the great theologian Kenny Rogers, who once said, you need to know when to hold them, know when to fold them, know when to walk away, and know when to run. Those are some wise words uh, when it comes to anger. Uh, Proverbs puts it a little differently. Uh, Proverbs first tells us when it comes to anger, uh, it's important to answer softly. Answer softly. Proverbs 25.11 says, A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in a, in a setting of silver. Proverbs 15.1 says, A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. A harsh word is like putting gasoline on a fire that you want so desperately to put out. You ever respond to someone else's anger or frustration by just becoming more angry and frustrated? Like seldom do you walk away from that experience and go, well, that was helpful. How do we respond to anger? We answer softly. Other times we just don't answer at all. Proverbs 29, 11, a fool gives full vent to his spirit, but a wise man quietly holds it back. Proverbs 19, 11 reads, good sense makes one slow to anger, and it is his glory to overlook an offense. There's times when we respond to anger by, by, by simply going, listen, I'm not, <laughs> we're not going to go down that road. Not only are we offering a, a soft answer, but we're just not answering at all. I've told this story before, but uh, there was uh, this time when Melissa and I had gotten in a disagreement, it happens every once in a while, and uh, she was in our, in our bedroom, there's this blue reading chair that she has in the corner of our bedroom, and it's her, her place to read and decided to kind of be quiet, and she was sitting there, and she had the little light on, and she was reading her book, and I walked into the bedroom, and I don't, I, like, honest to goodness, I don't even remember the context of the conversation, but, but I just know that when I walked into the room, like, I was, I was looking for a fight. I mean, I was. I, um, I, unfortunately, in high school, when they give out awards at the end of the year, I won the award for, uh, for best debater, which apparently was helpful in 12th grade, but not super helpful in relationships. And so I walked into the bedroom, and I said something. I don't remember what it was, but it was a, like it was a poke. You know, it was a, you ever do this before? Like, you, you just kind of poke. It's like two hockey players that are kind of skating toward each other, and one guy just kind of like pokes the other guy. He's trying to start a fight. And I don't even remember what I said, but I remember I poked Melissa. I might have poked her again. And she looked up at me, and she said, James, I'm not going to fight you. And I went, oh, okay. And I literally, I, I literally just left the room. And that, like, like that changed the atmosphere in the room. Like, I, I know you're mad, James. I know you're looking for, for a fight, but you're not going to get one with me. It's pretty powerful when, when someone comes uh, looking for a fight and you just go, hey, I'm not going to fight you. How do we respond uh, to anger? We respond with, by answering softly. Uh, we respond by, by not answering at all. 
One way that we can respond to anger or angry people is to distance ourselves from angry people. Maybe that sounds uh, a little bold, a little unnecessary, but Proverbs kind of encourages us to do so. Proverbs 22, 24, make no friendship with a man given to anger, nor go with a wrathful man. Make no friendship with a man given to anger, nor go with a wrathful man. The author here is basically saying, hey, like, don't, don't surround yourself with angry people. Don't surround yourself with angry people. Like, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't end well. Like, people who are always looking to start a fight, people who are always poking, people who get mad at everything seemingly all the time. This is not saying that don't talk to a person who ever gets angry. All of, <laughs> hello. Like, all of us have been angry. This is saying, like, for someone who's just their way of life, there's just this undercurrent, there's this low-grade anger that they're always carrying around with them. And Proverbs is going, hey, just, just distance yourself. If, if you're here this morning and, and you would describe yourself as an angry person or those closest to you, those people who know you and love you, would describe you as an angry person, I, w- I want to let you know, like, Look, one day you're going to look around and, and you're going to be living a relatively isolated life. You're going to look over your shoulder and you're going to go, where did everyone go? And, and there's going to be people that eventually they're just going to go, you know what? Like, I'm not going to do that. Not going to do it. Proverbs says actually that there's some wisdom to that. How do we... How do we respond to anger? We respond with uh, a soft answer. Maybe we respond not at all. We distance ourselves from angry, from angry people. Um, this one I think is probably should be at the top of the list, but it's simply this. Extend the same forgiveness that God in Christ has extended to you. Like when you're frustrated with others, when you're angry with others, when others have been angry with you and you're trying to navigate through that relationship and you're trying to figure out what to say and what to do, um, Scripture teaches us this, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32, and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ has also forgiven you. I think one of the problems that we face as Christians, as followers of Jesus, is we don't understand the depth of our sin. Like, we're able to identify and see other people's sin. Like, we know their problems, but sometimes we don't think that we've got problems, or our problems aren't nearly as bad as that guy or that gal. And and if if we think our sin is small or insignificant, then we're going to view God's forgiveness and God's grace as small and insignificant. We're going to think that other people need it essentially more than we do. But but Scripture does not teach that. Scripture says that we were dead in our trespasses and sins. Like, we didn't want anything to do with God. There was a point in time in our lives before we trusted Christ, before we came to Christ, where we functionally hated God. We, We weren't good people. We weren't good people. We, we snubbed our nose at the God of the universe, the God that made us. We said, thanks, but no thanks, God. We kept him at arm's length. We said, I don't want anything 
to do with you. I don't care about the things that you care about. I don't want to live how you called me to live. I'm not going to follow your son. And in our brokenness and in our sin, God in Christ extended forgiveness to you. So we start there. Just so you know, when you were at your worst, when you were at your worst, God gave you his very best. When I was at my worst, God gave me his very best. And so what, what relationship, what broken relationship, marriage, a friendship, uh, parents, colleagues, whatever, like across the board, like who do you look to and go, you're beyond my forgiveness? Like who? That, that, that doesn't mean that dynamics of relationships don't change. That, that doesn't mean that we are, when we are hurt or we are harmed that there's distance that's created. I'm not suggesting that. I'm saying that I do believe that God calls us to get to a point in life where we look at someone else and we go, I want God's very best for them. Because God in Christ has forgiven me and I forgive them. How do we respond to anger? We extend the same forgiveness that God in Christ has extended to us. Lastly, we, just tr we trust the Lord. We trust the Lord. So oftentimes we are angry toward others because we think others have wronged us and we want to make sure that they get what's coming to them. I mean, ultimately. We want to make sure that they don't get off scot-free. They can't do that. Not to me. But James chapter 4, verse 11 says, Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks evil against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is only one lawgiver and judge, he who is able to save and destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? There's a sense when it comes to our anger, we want to make things right. We want to make sure that someone else gets what's coming to him. But a, a, a godly response, a wise response is to go, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trust you. You know, Lord. Like, you know their heart. You know my heart. You know what was said, what wasn't said. You know what was meant by what was said and what wasn't meant by what was said. And so, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you. Church family, what would it look like if, if we as a people responded to our emotions, particularly to anger, in healthy and helpful ways, uh, ways that restored relationships and exalted Christ. May we as a people be slow uh, to speak. May we know when to not speak at all. When we know when it is a, may we know when it is appropriate to distance ourselves uh, from angry people, to extend forgiveness that has been extended to us, and to simply trust God. Uh, may God help us to do so. Would you pray with me? Uh, Father God, thank you so much for your living and active word. It's so applicable uh, for life. Uh, Lord, we admit that when we read your word over and over again, we are reminded that we need your help uh, to do and to be the kind of people that you called us to be, and so we ask for it this morning. God, I pray that we would be a people who are, uh, who are patient uh, with others, who are slow to anger, uh, when we are angry, I pray that we would get angry for the right reasons. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would give us the wisdom to know when uh, to keep quiet, when to speak a, a soft and appropriate word, when to distance ourselves, when to extend forgiveness, when to trust. We want to be that kind of people, and so we ask for your help today. God, we love you. We thank you so much for loving us first. We pray these things in Jesus' name and by your spirit. Amen.